Hey, what's up? I'm Zane Lowe, and you're listening to the Zane Lowe Interviews. This is where I get a chance to connect with the world's greatest artists, the people who inspire us on the daily by making amazing music and art. And we get to dive into that whole process and ultimately discover more about the artist. And then we share it right here on Apple Podcasts. Zane Lowe, Apple Music. Today we're catching up with the remarkable Lady Gaga, who over the course of her entire career has changed the face and the shape of pop music and the culture that surrounds it. Her breakthrough album to fame and its follow-up extended the fame monster propelled her to the world stage, where she achieved the kind of global attention that you dream of, but you're never quite sure what to do with it once you get it. She turned it into a triumphant album called Born This Way and record-breaking world tours followed. From there came an album which was in some ways divisive, art pop, but remains an essential stepping stone in her journey to now, which creatively took in albums with Tony Bennett, her return home with the more intimate Mark Ronson produced Joanne, and of course her award-winning star turn on the big screen, A Star Is Born. But the reason we're here today is to talk about Chromatica. Everything I just mentioned has taken Lady Gaga through a journey of self-discovery that ultimately found her in a very dark and difficult space personally. Over the course of this conversation, she'll talk openly and honestly about the process of making this album and how more than just a result in a body of work, it's brought her to a place personally that is more self-aware, confident, and stronger than ever. But to get there, she has to tell the story, and that's why we're here. So right here on Apple Podcasts, I'm thrilled to be able to share this with you. This is my most recent conversation with Lady Gaga. How are you? Well, it's... I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's nice to see you. I mean, this is weird, too, but it's still man. lovely to see you. I know. It's it's not the same, but, you know, Last thing, can you get we're lucky. First of all, it would be kind of strange. I'm so happy to... to see you. Oh, you too. You too. Like, really, it's like, it's so nice to see you. I love you, Zayn. Like, I just, I'm, oh, I I'm happy that we're doing this, and I I think music's powerful, and I know you feel that way, and I'm I'm just super excited to talk to you. Oh, me too. I've been waiting for this moment because, you know, I think the world wants to hear this album. I think the delay only increased the anticipation. And I know that wasn't by design, but it's funny how life works that way. And um, and also because I haven't done anything like this yet. And this feels like a kind of new frontier in terms of this because we've been doing it via FaceTime the whole time. But it just feels like this is like a a major step forward for some reason. I don't know why. It must feel kind of nice to just to go into the studio and actually be doing something resembling work. You know what I mean? It's a super uh, interesting time. Uh, it's been a very difficult time for a lot of people. And we stopped the uh, the drop of the record and everything that we were doing because I, I really wanted to be more specific at one point. Like, I wanted to do something to help the world uh, that was very focused and working with the World Health Organization and Global Citizen was a way for me to talk about kindness and the things that I believe in in a very focused way, um, as opposed to a more ab abstract way, which for me is what Chromatica is. It's, a, it's this uh, beautiful abstraction of my perception of the world. And I just wanted to wait for a second and do something specific. And then when it felt appropriate, I was like, okay, we can get abstract. Well, it's funny as well because it feels weird to be promoting anything and it just feels like it should be a selfless time and we should all be outward looking, not inward looking and find a way to kind of be more connected to people as a whole. And I feel that that is very much the statement you made too. 
I do think it's important to to look inside at all times as well. You know, self-care and taking care of your, you know, mental health, I think, helps you to take care of other people. For sure. Um, and actually, like, I'm not really promoting. I, I, I view this conversation as something that I would want to do anyway. I mean, you know how I feel about, about your uh, perception of music and how it affects people in the world. I, what I think is most effective right now for what it's worth is simple messaging that is either kind in nature or thought-provoking in nature that speaks to where we are as a society and as a culture where, you know, I really believe that we're operating within a very rudimentary system. And in the Stupid Love video, red and blue are fighting, you know, could decidedly, if you wish it to be, uh, you know, a political commentary. And it, it's very divisive. I, the way that I see the world is that we are divided and that uh, it, it creates for a very tense environment that is very extremist. And it's, it's, it's part of my vision of Chromatica, which is to say that this is not dystopian and it's not utopian. This is just how I, how I make sense of things, is Chromatica. And I wish for that to be a message that I can translate to other people. It is a world though. I mean, it, like you say, it kind of straddles both sides and it stands in the middle and it's, obser it, it's observant. Like, you know, Chromatica mm -hmm. is, an is an observation. Um, yep. But I feel like with, with the video and when you're drawn into the world, your world, but it's also a very, it's like a sharing experience as well as a caring experience for you, it's both. And, and I wonder, you know, what you're hoping we get out of that because we're gonna talk about what you've gotten out of it. But what do you want people to, to get out of listening to this album right now? You know, I really, I wish to go on a journey that I've been on with the world before, which is when I know that I've opened my own creative portal to the other realm and made music out of my own personal experiences that is also related to how much I love people and love the world and what I want them to feel and experience. You know, I was just talking to my friends and I was saying, you know, I can't wait to dance with people to this music. I can't wait to just go into, uh, you know, any space with a whole bunch of people and blast this as loud as possible to show them how much I love them. And until then, I hope that they listen to this record and go on not only my personal journey with me and dance through all the pain, but also go through their own journey and dance through all their pain. And maybe there will be some arc within that sign that aligns us both. And so from afar, how can we connect? You know, you've danced before. And in fact, you made the world dance when you first came out and, and started to release music officially. And we've talked about this and how important, you know, putting four on the floor back on radio and how it felt like people used to come to your early tours and dance and it was a release and i felt like until chromatica and since art pop you haven't been dancing i'm sure you have but it hasn't felt like you have with us and i wonder why that was i don't know that i was dancing in my brain in my heart um, in my spirit i think i felt uh very turned around in life um and you know, I'm always remiss to talk about like my personal experience with fame or my personal experience with 
being an artist that's by proxy because of pop culture, also a celebrity, right? But the truth is, I think that I was trying to make sense of my humanity within a system that is the music industry that decidedly is also objectifying. I mean, that objectification makes me feel like a robot and that you start to act like one. And once you start to act like that robot, you lose a sense of your humanity. And through writing this album, I would be so sad. And then I would hear myself sound happy in a song. And I'd go, wait a second, this is completely incongruent. And yet it came from me. So how yeah. did that just happen? Which is so funny because it's often the subconscious goes the other way in the artistic spirit. Often you're feeling happy on the outside, surface distractions, all the things you've built for yourself, this world you created that tells you you're happy and safe and successful. And the music yep. that's coming out is subconsciously sad and depressed. It's very rare that I've spoken to an artist at this at your level that was having a subconscious joyful experience or striving at least to find joy subconsciously yeah. and not forcing it. You're dead on. I was subconsciously experiencing joy. And what I've learned about the brain is that while that's happening, if you have extensive uh, trauma or uh, any mental issues like the ones that I have, your unconscious, as you are becoming joyful, goes, no, stop, stop what you're doing, come back to my me, I am your sadness. If you become happy, you are unsafe. And this goes back to this idea of objectification where, you know, it's like one of these weird things, Zane, like I really do understand why people go like, it's so annoying when artists complain about being mobbed at the grocery store, right? But I am also like just a person and what happened, I think, with me and this album is on a subconscious level, I was experiencing joy while consciously I was experiencing an immense amount of depression as a result of this objectification, a lack of feeling like a human. And then unconsciously, my body was like, stop, like you're making a mistake. If you don't brace yourself, you will get hurt because I, I've developed a, like a fear of the public, but not a fear of people. I love people. So this album is about like, how, how did I, how get did I get, get back to people and how do I connect yeah. with people and go like, hey, I'm over here. I'm a person. I'm an artist. Like, I'm not a celebrity. Whatever this thing is, this celebrity thing, it's like, I, I wish to like, like, I wish to er eradicate its existence. Ah, and that's an amazing observation because I think a lot of the reason why we as fans get confused about the trade, because the trade is you want this. You, you've put so much effort and so much attention and so much hyper-focus into driving your narrative into a place where you become successful because what you really dream for and you focus on, you get. And then we take your narrative away and we tell you, this is what you wanted. This is what you asked for. Yeah, because when you were a little girl and you were good at piano and writing songs, you decided you were going to trade your talent uh, with the world in exchange for us telling you who you are. Yeah, It's proven to be challenging for me. I'm not complaining about it. To be honest, when this super virus happened, 
I did not want to put this album out. I was like, how can we do something more specific to help the world? And how can I use my humanity to focus on something that I believe to be infinitely more important than what even like I feel that I've been through, which is what the medical community's done. And it made me also think about those helpers to the world and how their mental states are and how they don't necessarily have the help that they need. And after this is all, you know, over, whatever that means, or gets better, whatever that means, who's going to be there to support them? So I had to stop because I still do have the ability and perspective to put things that are bigger in before myself. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? It does. Like I I don't lack self-awareness. I do understand that I'm not the only human on the planet that suffers. And actually, I think I have it pretty fucking good. And I'm very grateful for what I have. But I'm also honest in being able to say, I, you know, I wrote a song on Chromatica called 911. And it's about an antipsychotic that I take. And it's because I can't always control things that my brain does. I know that. And I have to take medication to stop the, the process that occurs. Are these the dolls in the diamond boxes? Yeah, keep my dolls in side diamond boxes, save it till I know I'm gonna drop this front I've built around me, Oasis, paradise is in my hands, holding on so tight to this status. It's not real, but I'll try to grab it, keep myself in beautiful places, paradise is in my hands. So that song arrives <laughs> at a crucial moment in the album, which is around halfway. And at the start of yeah. the second, at the second act, and I love how Chromatica is broken up into three acts. Yeah. The first act starts with one of the most beautiful string arrangements that I've heard in a very, very long time. I mean, thank you. I get goose I'm getting goosebumps just describing it. That makes me so happy. Me and Morgan made that. It's so incredible, and the transition into Alice is so perfect. What does that string arrangement at the start, Chromatica one? What does that symbolize for you? I think that the beginning of the uh, the album really symbolizes for me what I would call to be the beginning of my journey to healing and what I would hope would be an inspiration for people that are in need of uh, of healing, you know, through happiness, through dance. And that's in what I would call radical acceptance. And radical acceptance is this concept that for example, I know that I have mental issues. I know that they can be sometimes rendering me non-functional as a human, but I radically accept that this is real, right? And so it goes right into this sort of like this grave string arrangement that Morgan and I made together where you feel this sort of pending doom that is what happens if I face all the things that scare me. And I say then for um, Alice, uh, I say my name isn't Alice, but I'll keep looking for Wonderland, meaning I'm not yeah. giving up. I'm not throwing yeah. in the towel. It's uh, very early on in all of this, you know, there were I had some dark conversations with, with Blood Pop about how I felt about life. And the first lyric on the album official is, could you pull me out of this alive? Yeah, I mean, I, I meant it, and I still mean it. I know there are times when physically 
we reflect what's going on mentally and emotionally. And yeah. it becomes a physical reaction. It's called a panic attack. But it all yeah. starts with this, with this idea, unless, of course, you're under physical threat. For the most part, when we, we suffer from mental health issues, which I do as well, it starts from something internal. And is that ultimately yeah. what you're looking to be pulled out of? I mean, it could, it's an eeny, meeny, miny, yeah. moe. But for me, it, it was like, pull me out of my mind. Pull me out of my state. Yeah, I say, I say, could you pull me out of this alive? Meaning anyone, right? Exactly. Or, yeah. or me, could you, can I, right? Where's my body? I'm stuck in my mind. When I when I get stuck in that like that trauma response feedback in my brain, I have no concept of my body at all. I'm completely in my head. Uh, I'm and then I say I'm tired of screaming at the top of my lungs. Things I used to do upstairs before I'd come down into the studio with blood pop. Um, I'm in the hole. I'm falling down, so down, down. My name isn't Alice, but I'll keep looking for Wonderland. So it's kind of this, it's it's, it's this weird experience where I'm going, I'm not sure I'm going to make it, but I'm going to try. And that's where the album really begins. And we put it together in this way, but that string arrangement, Chromatica 1, Act 1, is it's essentially it's setting the stage for like a, a more cinematic uh, uh, experience with this world that is how I make sense of things. How do I make sense of myself when I feel this way? I, I make sense of it by going, this is a mental issue. I radically accept that I have it. And uh, although I feel completely disconnected and offline, I am still going to pursue Wonderland. I'm still going to look for something that I do not have right now. And maybe it's, it is it, through just simply trying. I think that being brave is hard, but it's, it's synonymous in many ways with trying. I totally agree. This album has so much yearning in it. And yep. that's what I love about it is that we're all on this path in our own way. And, yep. you know, I think back timeline-wise to, to Art Pop, that was a big, bold, massive artistic pop statement that at the time felt like it kind of divided. It divided and fans loved it and critics were confused by it. And it felt like such a huge step towards the club, almost a giant leap. Right, that people oh, yeah. were just like, "Whoa, crazy, crazy, it crazy!" It was too soon. <laughs> it was too soon, and that's what I was going to say. In a weird way, this feels kind of like it's related, and you had another crack at it. Like I can actually nail what I set out to do last time. Is that fair? I think culture was just like more ready now than they were then. Art pop was very rebellious. I would not adhere to one look. I would adhere to every look. I said my art pop could mean anything. And when I, as an artist, raise my hand and go, I will not subscribe to any archetypical behavior just because it makes the world comfortable, they go, fuck you, I'm not comfortable. <laughs> and, and to be honest, I went through a phase which I'm, I stand by, I stand by everything I've done. Like when I am an old lady and I'm on my deathbed, I'll know that my legacy is authentic because I've always made things that felt true to me. And perhaps in that moment, I knew in some type of way, subliminally, that we would be having this conversation years later, that it would all be okay because it was real, it happened, and it is relevant. And what I'm making now is a, it's a reminder of, of the freedom that I have as an artist, but also 
my absolute love for electronic music, my absolute love for the ability for a computer to make something that is soulful. so visceral mm. and soulful. I mean, the, the, the bulk of this album was made inside a computer. I mean, I played with modular synth. I played with real synth. I gave Blood Pop, uh, you know, what I would play on the piano. We'd input it as MIDI, and then we would play with inversions and 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 produce the record and and make the song. And then, I mean, I gotta say, Zane, I've been in this business a long time. I've never seen so many producers be willing to pass around music and be like, what do you think, man? And have it be a conversation. And if we didn't use somebody's production, it was no big deal. It was like everybody was in service of the song, which made me feel so loved as the writer. Because when I write a song, I want it to sound the best that it could be. I also want it to interpret what I'm saying the best that it can interpret it. And it was like, this beautiful way of my friends saying, I see you, and me having this talk with them about how to get me out of this alive. And at Blood Pop, every day, I would, I would, I don't, I quit smoking. Yeah, you told me that last time, like it was yeah, a big deal. I did. That, that would suggest you started again, and now it's a quit, I quit again statement. No, I didn't start again. Whole I, time? I, I, oh, okay. I, whole, whole time, I mean, not even one, man, because like, Yo, quitting is so That's hard. That's hard, it's, man. That's hard, man. I, quit, hard. I smoked for it's a long so time, hard. and yeah. it's tough. It's hard, but you you know what? I, I would sit on my porch and chain smoke all day, and blood would be like, let's go downstairs, and you need to get off your porch. And I was like, you don't understand how I feel, what I've been through. And I was in this like and en- this endless state of like I I'm being attacked. And I smoked the whole way through making this record. And when we were done, I stopped. Hmm. It was like the most bizarre, beautiful thing that could have happened that this music actually healed me. And the end, the the last act, you know, of the album is a song called Sign From Above, as you know, that I did with Elton and uh, a song called Babylon. And, you know, we use a sign from above, S-I-N-E, because it's a sound wave. It's, you know, that sound sign from above is what healed me to be able to dance my way out of this album, singing Babylon, a song about gossip and something that used to run my life, like, and make me feel so small and so chained and and dance my way with the chains on. I'm wearing them right now and I wear them proudly that I feel free. And I had to go through all these various stages and in the middle of, of the record, Fun Tonight, which is a song that means a lot to me. And every time I listen to it, I get choked up because I can't tell you how many nights that people that really love me were trying to get me to smile or laugh or be optimistic. And I just had no ability to to be happy. It just wasn't there. But then I would write this music and I would listen back and I'd go, "Why, why is that so fun? Why is that so happy? But when we spoke around Joanne, and I don't mean to rehash, you know, old interviews, but I'm trying to create context. You went home. Like, you literally, like, art pop landed. You were like, 
cue. This is who I am. Now I'm going to play with my friend Tony and then I'm going home. And you went home and you made an album about home. And when artists go home, I think they're looking for some closure. And I wonder what you found and why you came out of that space, went into A Star Is Born, which like is just art imitating life. Don't even get me started. And then you sort of came out the other side of this whole era, which is supposed to be healing and found yourself on a porch chain smoking, having this really deep, dark conversation with yourself. Why? Well, I think it's part of what what is still in my heart and was a beautiful experience with Mark Ronson, which is that, you know, the only album that Mark is interested, I think, in making with any given artist is the artist's album. Yeah. What do you want to say? Right. I mean, like Mark Mark is like, he might as well be standing in front of any construct that's telling me what I'm supposed to be and like like slashing at it and challenging me as I write every lyric to be like, no, no, what do you really mean? Right. And when I made Joanne, when it was all done, like traveling the world and playing guitar, learning guitar and going uh, uh, on tour, I realized, oh, oh, wow, okay. I, uh, I made an album for my dad. I made a record trying to heal my family's trauma because my dad's sister, Joanne, passed away when he was 15 years old. And he didn't know how sick she was. And it was actually this really beautiful and yet futile effort. You cannot fix something that way. And I had to learn that. But it was an epic disappointment in my heart that drove me into a depression that I realized that no matter what I make, no matter how big I become, no matter how many sold-out stadiums I have, I can't fix my dad. And then you're on the porch smoking. And look, it's like, those are the things that I feel like I go, that who gives a shit if I'm a celebrity or an artist? How many people on the planet are trying to fix somebody they love? How many people on the planet are trying to understand how they can heal someone that is broken? How many people on the planet are enmeshed with people that they love because they are pining for a a greatness that will never be fulfilled? Like I, I had to detach from something that from childhood was built into me. I mentioned epigenetics to you when I was on uh, in our last call. It's like the way in which my body expresses itself like on on a, on a level with with proteins essentially is that there is potentially like I'm you know I, I don't want to be like a a fucking pseudoscientist but potentially the way that I behave and act has something to do with what my dad went through. And I made that record and then I realized that I couldn't fix my dad. So I I kind of gave up because I was like, well, if I can't fix my dad, what's the point? So what put you back? The sound, the music, you know, being uh, being myself, just seeing little glimpses of myself come alive here and there. 
I'd like to say that in a way I was asleep and I was just sleeping through life and I was just angry, so angry. And then you find gratitude. Look at what I have. Look at, look at the love I have around me. Look at the friends that I have that cared. I, a blood pop was like, he would listen to me talk for hours and rant when I was just like spiraling in shame for hours. And then just, just so that we could write one song. And that love instilled in me a gratitude that grew over time. And it just made me more of a fighter. And I, I just started to, to, to lean into reality, lean into my mental issues and go, I have them and I'm still going. And so I kept going, and then I kept going, and then I kept going, and I kept dancing, and I kept writing. And I didn't stop, and I was honest every single time. I mean, when I tell you that writing the lyrics for this album and the melodies, like, they, it was like that. I mean, th this is how I used to write music. When I first started writing music, someone would sit down with me and I would write it down on a piece of paper and hand it to them and go, there, it's, that's the, this is what it is. This is how this album was made. I love that you say that because it shows a real connection to your artistic spirit and the voice that needed to come out. But you, but you also in the same breath made mention of the hours and hours and hours and hours of work yeah. that, you were doing on, that you were doing to yourself, not on yourself at the time, doing to yourself. You were beating yourself up to get to that place where you would have one single realization, and that is work. That is work. Yeah. Well, I'd f I would just, f you know, fight through it. And I had Blood Pop and Benjamin Rice, who uh, produced Shallow with me, engineered the whole record. He did all the vocal production, and he's such a, a beautiful force in my life. And one of my favorite lyrics on the album is, you know... <laughs> You know, I heard one sign from above. I heard one sign from above. Then the signal split in two. The sound created stars like me and you. Before there was love, there was silence. I heard one sign and it and it healed my heart. Heard a sign. So like that song, and that was actually like later in the recording process that I actually was like, and now let me pay tribute to the very thing that has revived me, and that is music. And that was the very thing that revived me, Zane, when I was a little girl and I was trying to heal my dad. And I would sit at the piano and write songs, and my dad would go from being upset maybe or having a hard day to laying on the couch and saying, my dad used to call me loopy which is funny because it's not unlike Gaga. You know, it sounds kind of crazy. And he'd go, yeah, Loop, I like that one. That's a good one, Loop. That's that, that, what is that? Is that a chord? That's a chord. Play that chord again. And I love that, I love that lyric. I love that melody. So like the very thing that made me an artist, this, this wanting to heal my father, it's still with me, but now it's this positive thing where I know that I can't actually do it, but the way in which I responded to it, it has actually made me who I am. And I, I love who I am. I love that my way of dealing with my father's pain is that I write songs. That was beautiful. That was a moment for me hearing you say that. That was amazing. That was like realization on a plate. Um, rain on me. Yeah. Wow. Holy sh**. What a smash. Uh, Ariana was so effusive the other day and said that you are 
an incredibly like generous collaborator, like a supportive collaborator, that you go into the experience making sure that not only you're performing at the highest level, but you're giving people a safe space where they can be a part of it. And it's not just come and do your part and I appreciate it. Like be a part of this experience. For sure, Matt. Well, thank you, Ariana. She's not on the call with us, but her and I connected right away. And she was so wonderful. And I think maybe, maybe she assumed that it would be that she came in and I was like, here, just sing this and thank you so much for your time, right? But instead I asked her what she needed uh, how she wanted to do things. I, I was, uh, you know, when we were vocally producing her, I was sitting there at the, right, uh, well, not this console. We were at Jim Henson when we finished. Uh, I was sitting at the console and talking to her. And then I remember I said to her, okay, now everything that you care about while you sing, I want you to forget it. <laughs> and just, and just sing. And by, and by the way, while you're doing that, I'm going to dance in front of you because we had this huge big window. I was like, I'm going to dance in front of you. And she was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I can't, I can't, I don't know. Oh, my God, okay, okay. And then I, I did it, and she sang, and she started to do things with her voice that was that was different. And it was the joy of two artists going like, I see you, and I see all the things that we all, humans do this. We create things that make us feel comfortable, and we put them all around. I do it all the time. We all do things to make ourselves feel safe, and I always challenge artists when I work with them. I go, make it unsafe. Make it super f***ing unsafe, and then do it again. And it was just awesome to watch her, like, I mean, you haven't seen the video yet, but she, like, she was like so open to trying things that she hasn't done before. She was like, I'm gonna just trust you. And it was, it was this beautiful, I think very healing process for me too, not necessarily having a, a female artist that mentored me as I came up and being able to be with her and hold her and be like, anything that you feel chains you, like any like pop cultural construct that you feel you have to live up to, I'd like you to please forget about it and be yourself. And she was like- Yeah, that's an amazingly important observation because I wondered whether or not subconsciously or maybe consciously, part of the reason you wanted to collaborate with her was because of, of the courage and the bravery that she has shown in recent years to try to pull herself out of some really traumatic experiences. And, you know, in a weird way, you know, what I hear in Rain On Me is two artists finding each other and sharing that experience. For sure. That woman has been through some really tough, really hard life testing stuff undoubtedly, and her ability to move on. I mean, when she came into the studio, I was still crying and she was not. And she was like, she was like, you're gonna be okay. I got, call me, here's my number. And she was so persistent. She would try over and over again to be friends with me. And I was too ashamed to hang out with her because I didn't want to project all of this like negativity onto something that was healing and so beautiful. And eventually she called me on my shit. She was like, you're hiding. And I was like, I am hiding, I'm totally hiding. And then this friendship blossomed and the song Rain On Me, the lyrics that I wrote right here in this studio, I'd rather be dry, but at least I'm alive, rain on me. 
This is about like the, uh, an analog of tears being like the rain. And you know what it's also a, me- a metaphor for? Is like the amount of drinking that I was doing to numb myself. I'd rather be dry. I'd rather not be drinking, but I haven't died yet. I'm still alive. Rain on me. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm going to keep on drinking. This this song has many layers. I wondered about that and I and I wondered because when we take ourselves to these places where we where we feel the sh- where we feel shame and that is the stone cold killer. Shame is the stone cold destroyer of everything. And when you take 100%. yourself to that place, then we search for anything that will distract us from our shame. And I wondered whether or not it got bad, you know, the drinking and whether maybe medication or any other crutch came into your life and how bad it got. I mean, I have really, really dope doctors, so they won't give me any narcotics. So to be clear, when I say Papa 911 on this album, it is not a, an opioid or a narcotic. Like, I don't take any pain medication because it's not healthy for me. But I've flirted with the idea of sobriety. I'm not there yet, but I flirted with it throughout the album, and it's something that came up as a result of me trying to work through the pain that I was feeling. But part of my healing process was going, well, I can either lash the hell out of myself every day for continuing to drink, or I can just be happy that I'm still alive and keep going and feel good enough. Like, I am good enough. It's not perfect, but wabi-sabi, you know? I'm perfectly imperfect. In, in me saying, yes, do I think it's unfair that celebrities are like put in this place where we're not allowed to have problems? Yes, but at that same time, I would like to validate the problems of all these other people that are not famous, right? And then also validate the fact that like on the internet and through social media, we have created these, you know, millions upon perhaps billions of enigmas that are our, you know, avatars of who we are online in order to deal with ourselves. And it's part of how we feel safe, but it's turning on us. And it begins to turn on you because you start to feel shameful. It's a shameful. false economy. It's a totally false economy. And it, and the currency is shallow as Right, I, it's like you can't be th- you can't be pretty enough on Instagram. You can't be thin enough. You can't be hot enough. You yeah. can't be rich enough. You can't be. I mean, if if you're not in it for impact, like if you're not like famous because you're trying to help the world or make an impact on the world, the return on what you're putting in is a is a like. And that is a bottomless pit. That is like you are literally circling the drain going, oh, I'm valuable if I get a ton of likes. No, that is not what makes you valuable. What makes you valuable are your values, your morals, your ethics, your code, how you act, how you treat people, your behavior. That's what makes you who you are, not how many people like your post. Well, once you realize that, once you come to that conclusion and you identify that, you know, there are, there are more significant tent poles you should be planting rather than the ones that are planted for you or that seem to, to move and they move with the wind, you get to a point where you become free. And I woke up this morning and the song that was rolling around on my head from this album, right, was Free Woman. That is the <laughs> one that just stuck in my head so much. There's so many earworms in that song, it's crazy, but also the sentiment of what you're saying. And I feel like it's an important step in the album because it feels like you're taking control of your narrative. You've accepted, you've let go through Rain On Me, let go, I accept it. Now I feel some form of freedom. 
you know, the, this is the dance floor I fought for. That whole lyrical refrain in that verse from that line all the way to the chorus is one of the best bodies of words on the album, I think. Thank you so much. You know, I think like I tend to like aspire for things to be genderless just because I think that it's uh, it's significant. But with that song in particular, I felt a need to reference my my gender because even though I, I really have a tremendous disdain for people that uh, attribute uh, gender or sexual identity to your personality, like I hate that. I like if someone says like, oh, your like your personality's masculine. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like I, it just like doesn't make sense to me. But it, it was so important for this to be free woman because. I was assaulted by a music producer. I was sexually assaulted by a music producer. It's 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 compounded all of my uh, feelings about life, feelings about the world, feelings about the industry, feelings about my what I had to compromise and go through to get to where I am. And I had to put it there. And when I was able to finally celebrate it, I said, you know what? I'm not nothing without a steady hand. I'm not nothing unless I know I can. I'm still something. If I don't got a man, I'm a free woman. So it was. It's it's me going. I'm free, but it it's not. It's not just because I, I'm a free woman. Look at me. I I found gratitude and and everything is zen. It's I, I no longer am going to define myself as a survivor or a victim of sexual assault. Like I just am a person that is free who went through some fucked up. Shit. I mean, that song is such a powerful statement and such an important song and so wild that we're dancing to it. It's almost the perfect embodiment of what you're trying to achieve with this album is to go so deep and so raw and pull it open and let it all go and get to a place of acceptance and move past it and grow as a human and get to a new yeah. era of your life. But I'm going to dance while I do it. Yeah, I'm, I say this is the dance floor I fought for. A heart, I know I'm, that's what I'm living for. Light up my body and kiss me too hardly. I walk the downtown, hear my sound. This is my way of saying, like, I'm making a dance record again, and this dance floor, it's mine, and I earned it, and all that stuff that I went through, I don't have to feel pain about it anymore. I, it can just be a part of me, and I can keep going. And I can't tell you, like, how healing this was for me. I could cry about it, except I'm actually feeling so much more healed now that that laugh away from the t from the tear feeling is not even as much there. When I when I first started talking about this album, I would cry like in between every interview. And now I go, well, you know, it turns out if you believe in yourself, sometimes you're good enough. And it turns out that's possible. And I would love for people that listen to this record to feel and hear that. And I also wish to say that, you know, not every country around the world, not every place has at their disposal what many of the things that we are talking about, pop cultural constructs, uh, uh, internet constructs, um, political constructs that per pertain specifically to uh, America or certain types of governments. But what we do share is life experiences. 
And what I can share is that if there is even a tiny spark inside of you that is still alive and beating and saying, hey, I'm okay, everything else isn't, but right over here, this part, it's okay, grab it. Grab it and hold on to it. And and it is possible that if you do, it will light you up in a way that you do not think you can be lit up. It will it will bring you back to life if you believe in yourself. And it's really hard to always believe in yourself, but I hope that I can make people feel in some type of way that because I did, maybe they can too. Well, you started out trying to heal everybody, but then you ended up right back staring at yourself. And what's amazing, and this may be the most personal question I've ever asked you, but I think it's a really... It's a beautiful thing where you're at, and I'm going to go there. I, one of the things that's most evident to us when we find clarity is the decisions we made in our lives and the way that we self-sabotage in order to punish ourselves. Yeah. And we make dumb decisions because we don't know any better, and we think we're dumb, and that's what we deserve. And they're decisions yeah. that, you can, that can be made right across the whole spectrum of your life. But it's a human desire to be loved and to love. Yep. And now that you've come out the other side of making this album, you are in a situation where you're, where you're discovering a new love. Can you describe how it feels and how different it is knowing yourself better now? I think I forgive myself. I forgive myself for all the ways I've punished myself in private. You know, I've been open about the fact that I, you know used to cut. And I've been open about the fact that I've have had masochistic tendencies that are not healthy and they're they're ways of expressing shame, they're ways of expressing feeling not good enough, but actually they're not effective. They just make you feel worse and you think that you deserve to be hurt. And you think that you don't deserve good things. You, don't, you think you don't deserve happiness. And, you know, I have these, like, scars on my wrists. And, like, I, I, it's been something that's kind of bothered me for years when I've seen ever— when I was younger, I don't, I don't really read the Internet anymore, to be honest. But when I was younger, I, I would see people write, like, like, those scars on her arm are disgusting. And that makes you feel even worse because it makes no sense why someone that feels sad would want to hurt themselves. And some to, uh, to a lot of people, that makes no sense. To me, it, it makes a lot of sense. Once I made deals with myself, you know, like you're not doing that anymore. Now when you want to hurt yourself and so if you want to throw yourself against the wall like and scream, you tell someone— I wish to not glamorize this in any way to anyone that's listening to this interview or watching this interview. You do not need to hurt yourself or be crazy to be a superstar. You you don't have to hurt yourself to feel better, even though, like, yeah, temporarily you think it's going to cut the pain off that's going on in your brain. It's, it lasts two seconds the harder thing to do is to ask for help and to tell someone to answer your question in long form. These are some of the things that I've been through. 
And then it, I stopped and I forgave myself eventually. But I think I forgave myself because I decided that I was human and that made me feel better. It made me, I was like, oh, I'm doing this incredibly human thing, even though I feel like a plastic doll. Look at me, I'm so fucking human. And now you're able to feel love and be loved, right? And know yes. what it feels like and not try to burn it down because you don't no. deserve it. No. When L, love, when that word gets bigger, when you love someone and, and somebody like me, uh, that usually inspires like what we were saying in the beginning, the unconscious to go, don't do it. You're going to get hurt. Don't love. You're, you don't deserve love. Look how you've, look at all the weird shit you've done. Look how you've acted. Look how you've, look at what I, I used to say was crazy behavior that I now have extreme compassion for, not only myself, but other people who experience this. That L, as it gets bigger, as I love someone more, I am internally being yelled at by a voice that is, is buried inside of me. And it's hard, but it's worth fighting for. You know, one of my favorite lyrics on this album is every single day, yeah, I dig a grave. Then I sit inside it wondering if I'll behave. It's a game I play, and I hate to say you're the worst thing and the best thing that's happened to me. All this stuff that made me start the album with, could you pull me out of this alive, right? Yeah. All that stuff, that that's that's exactly the stuff that pointed to my humanity. It's exactly the stuff that pointed to my ability to make music. It's exactly the stuff that brought me back to who I am. So I guess what I'm trying to say, say Zane, is if you're listening to this album and you're suffering in any type of way, j just know that that suffering within itself is a sign of your humanity and you are not broken. You are connected to the whole world and we are one giant body. We are one full entity. And the whole you is having a whole human experience. And there might be parts of your life that feel like completely shallow or robotic or ancillary and unimportant, and that's okay, but that suffering is a sign that you're real. And it's a way to ground yourself. Like, I've actually learned that when I feel that way, I can go, well, I'm a person, and this is very real, and I'm human. And even though for many years, because I've changed my hair color or my looks or my wigs or my outfits, I have somehow allowed myself to have a life where I've given the narrative away and it's been written for me, I can actually take it back by saying, no, I'm a human. And I go That's through very human things all the time. That's what this album is. This album is a reclaiming of the dance floor. You know, you opened it and now you're reclaiming it and it's yours and you can dance all night if you want, right? Without people interrupting your flow. And that's what's really euphoric about this experience. And you had to go through that pain to get there, but I'm glad you're back there, you know? Yeah, man. Like, I got back there and also while I'm dancing now, I'm dancing with my dad, not for my dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, everything's different. I'm not performing to fix anything. I'm living my destiny, which is to give gifts to the world. And I truly believe that that's what I'm meant to do. And I know you know, like, I, I do believe in God. I don't believe in God the way that, you know, maybe through art throughout history, it's been portrayed. 
but I believe in a higher force. And I used to talk to Blood Pop about it. There's a theory that the whole world was created by a, a, a feminine sound wave. And that that feminine sound wave actually saw their saw what they thought was their father below them and fell to be with their father, but it was actually a reflection from behind them. So they fell into an abyss and broke into two, and that there are two, then there were two galaxies that were born, and one was good and one was evil, and that the evil one is the one where evil things pretended to be God. And then we believed in them, and we divided, and then we started to, to argue and hate each other. And that is, the, that is the world that I believe I live on. But that, my understanding of God actually is that it's a sign. I believe God, is, God began as a sound. A sign from above. And I, I got you in trouble, by the way. Full disclosure, I may have sent a, a, a message to Elton last night saying, wow, this Lady Gaga album is fantastic. To which he responded, dear Zane, I haven't heard it yet. Love E. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I like first of all, he's on a world tour. He, I mean, or he was, you know, not anymore. But he was on this massive world tour, and the fact that he even made a song with me on the album was was uh, like a super joy. But actually, I've kept everything on lock, and I'm super private about my music, and I don't play it for everyone. I keep it to myself, and. I'm in so much trouble now. Like, my gay dads are going to be so mad. You, sound, you guys sound so, I mean, both of you sound so good on this, on this song. And it's, it's just a joy to hear you come together because I know that you've come together in many different situations and he's been there for you because he is that caring, sharing, wonderful person. When he brings you in and cares for you, he really stands by that. He's been my mentor for a long time. I mean, he's always challenged me to like keep my head above water. And it's, you know, something that I always, I always appreciate is that he knows when I'm down, like he just does. And he knows because I hide, because I, I never want anyone to like see me when I'm like that. And Blood Pop and, and you know, everyone that I worked on this record with, like, you know, including Morgan, you know, when we were doing the, the uh, the interludes and the or the beginning and the end right of the album, you know, like I I would just burst into tears or have a panic attack. I mean, I, attack or a trauma response. Like they they saw me go through so much. I hide, but you know, Elton's always really challenged me to take care of my artistry and to really take care of myself. And I really really honor that about him. He's he is so so uniquely special and I cannot tell you how like instrumental in my life he's been to showing me that you can go all the way in life you can go all the way and it decades and decades of a career and be authentic and be you and do good things in the world and take care of yourself and be there like he's such an inspiration and for me it's been so important because and I have also a very close relationship with his husband, David. And the, the truth is, I've had a harder time with older women 
uh, other than I would say, like, I, I think I feel like, you know, Celine Dion has been like such a warm and beautiful human being to me. But in terms of having a female mentor that goes like, this is how it's done, other than her and uh, Carol King, who I, you know, briefly met, uh, who was very supportive and like loving of my career, it's proven difficult for me to uh, to have someone in my life that would show me the way. And having Elton and David has been been so wonderful and they I'm gonna send Elton the record because I I (laughs) yeah yeah Elton David and the boys should they should hear it before it comes out but he's gonna know what happened you know when he listens to it because he knows me and he knows the difference of me going you know give me that pink hat and tell everybody to shut up I'm about to like play guitar and sing Joanne and he knows he knows when I sit down and I go okay how can I take something that's extremely painful for me and find the one piece of it that's universally human and help somebody else? And then let, let's see what it sounds like. What does it sound like? I like I literally Zane, when I make records, I, I I can hear it, I see it. It's like the the sound is colors. And then the words just come to me. They fly into my brain, but I literally go open the portal, talk to the sound. He, like listen for that for God listen and then make make the music and he he's gonna hear that and he's gonna know that I made a choice and the choice was not just to make this record for myself it was to make it for the world you talked about not having strong a, a lot of strong significant female role models that could guide you and having to go somewhere else to find that and we talked a little bit about how supportive as a collaborator you've been to Ariana, but also there was a little bit of trade because she showed you support on a personal level. You know, you brought Blackpink into this equation who are obviously one of the most exciting groups to emerge on the, on the world scene in a very long time. And it, it must be for you really nice to be able to, it must be kind of the ultimate closure to recognize what you didn't receive, what you didn't receive in kind that you can share and you can show to others. I guess my question is, are you keeping an eye on the Blackpinks and the Aries of this world because of what you've been through? 100. I love Billie Eilish. I love all these younger artists. I'm there for you. I love you. I am not in competition with anyone. I want everyone to win. I'm support. Like, I want to support and love. But that's that's how I feel about the world, Zane. Like just generally, I feel I feel that my rebellion in life is to be kind, like to to a, a, almost an annoyance to people. And I remember I, there was what I forget what award show. I mean, I, you know, Billy's won like so many awards, and I, there was one night where she just you know she just swept a whole bunch of awards. And I said, send her some flowers. I wrote her a note, and. For me, it's healing because I go, you know what? That hurt me that I didn't get that, but that's okay because I'm going to be that for someone else. And me being that for anyone is it's also a gift for, for me because I go, that, that means it doesn't not exist. It does exist. And, and do I want people to love the record? For sure. Like, I'd love for people to love the record, but it's, it's not just about the music, Zane. It's about who I am and what I'm trying to say. The first billboard that came out for this album said, you are essential, right? I mean it. 
And I think that that the simplicity of seeing something kind on your phone that's so simple or just like walking down the street and just seeing block letters that are telling you that you matter. That's who I am. This is not just about music. This is about culture. This is about how can I do something? How can I do something? Investing in it. Exactly. Investing in it. Seeing the rewards of it. Where do I fit in? How do, like, what do I mean in this industry? And you know what? If my record is loved by people, great. And if not, I really hope that young female artists or young artists of any gender identity, any sexual identity, will know that I'm rooting for them and I love them. I think artists are beautiful. I think people are beautiful. And I think this idea that we're rooting each other on, cheering each other on, I think it's so important. And, and look what's happened in this world with, with you know, SARS-CoV-2. It's like this idea that we need to cheer each other on, I don't think that we've witnessed a time in history where this has felt more important. I agree. And we should focus very much on those that need help the most. That's why I did the Global Citizen Special with the World Health Organization is because I wanted to help the people that were the most in need. That's what the World Health Organization does. What we can see in all of this is, my God, the kindness, my gosh, everyone rooting for each other, everybody wanting to help each other, everybody relating that they can't go help their grandma. They can't, my, you know, my, my grandma has cancer and has to go into the hospital for radiation and she's in her 90s and she has to go in by herself. And, my, you know, my mom is outside waiting for her, but my mom waited and got tested to go. I mean, it's like, you know, everybody, everybody has their thing, right? But... There's some people in the world that already had nothing. Like they they already had what we can't even fathom, just a quality of life that we don't understand. And then this happened. So what what about those people? And then I think to myself, that's gratitude. That's where gratitude is sparked. And that's what can inspire people to help each other. And I hope that through this record, and I hope that through the conduit that uh, that is me, that I can do whatever I can to just, you know, be a citizen of the world. I was born this way. This is how I am. I feel this way. And, and help to shape and shift culture in a way that is kind. That is my rebellion. That's what makes me a punk, is that I don't give a f- that people think I'm annoying because I talk about doing good things. That's just who I am really great. I really enjoyed seeing you. I enjoyed seeing you. I can't wait to like be with you and dance to this music together. Yeah. And yeah. I can't wait to see the world. Like I'm actually going to go. I'm sure that it's no surprise for maybe me, but I'm I'm probably going to go to every gay club that I can find <laughs> when I'm allowed to go and and hug and kiss every human that I come in contact with that when it's safe to because I just love people so much and I I hope that the world knows that although I may have said some things in this interview that imply that I feel feel or have felt in the past attacked or objectified in some way, that that's not holistically how I view the planet. It's, it's, it's something I've learned is just one 
small piece of my experience. But holistically as a planet, I think we're really beautiful. And I think when hard things happen, we really rally and support each other. You've been listening to my most recent conversation with Lady Gaga. And what I love about talking with her is every time we have a conversation, I feel like it opens the door to the next one where we can dive even deeper into the process and, of course, what it is to be human in the artistic space. She really is the perfect conversationalist for those kind of subjects, and I love it. At Apple Music, we talk to amazing artists and musicians every week, so make sure that you subscribe right here. That way you never miss another great conversation. And, of course, you can listen to Lady Gaga's triumphant new album, Chromatica. Stream it right now on Apple Music.